Welcome to Will's Personal Development Podcast, where we bring you data and science-backed answers and advice from billionaires. Hey, what's up everyone? It's Will, and today we're going to be talking about how to never give up. Otherwise known as persistence or perseverance, lately there's a new scientific term called grit, and it involves persistence and perseverance. Uh, Some people argue there's more to it than that. But I would bucket it towards the same category. There are a few distinctions to it. And uh, there's a scientist, her name's uh, Angela Duckworth. She wrote a whole book and TED Talk around grit. But we're simply going to be focusing on how to never give up and persevere. And first and foremost, you're probably wondering, well, why should I listen to you? What, what can you say about grit and how can I trust you? And I think... There's a lot of examples and case studies in my own life that I can give you that will kind of show that I'm someone who has a high level, a high caliber of persistence. But the most clearest and obvious example is my YouTube channel. Go ahead and check it out whenever you have time. It's youtube.com slash will you laugh. And essentially... You know, I wouldn't be saying this if I couldn't back it up. It's public online, straight on YouTube. But if you look on my YouTube channel, there are literally over a thousand videos on there. uh, And more and more coming every single day. Uh, I aim for one per week, but uh, lately I've just been able to put out more and more content. And there's a backlog of a lot more content, about 30 gigabytes worth if not more that I've already filmed that I want to release on there so I've been releasing videos on YouTube every single day and that's uh, the that's not really the highlight that I want to focus on the highlight is not that I have released so many videos for such a a consistent sustained period of time but the focus is that I've done it despite getting low results for so long that's the key here i've only been getting and you can check this i've only been getting 10 to 20 views maybe 30 views a video and that's not a lot for youtube or any other social media standards uh many people nowadays consider anything below a hundred thousand views per video or instagram post or facebook post low engagement some people and I've seen this lately. I've been watching a lot of vloggers and top YouTubers like uh, H3H3 or Rice Gum. These people, they will call a Twitter following or Instagram following anything below a hundred thousand followers as nothing, as insignificant, as child's play, and these people have millions upon millions of subscribers or followers. So. You can clearly see that based off those standards that most people would be discouraged after their fifth video, their seventh video, maybe their 20th video or a hundredth video for that matter when they're not seeing traction at all and they're still getting no views or, uh, you know, engagement. So how have I been able to sustainably and consistently not give up and persevere and try new tactics and different ways of doing videos and just keep going and going despite the fact 
that my results have not shown because I think that's really the issue that people are really getting at. People usually, I believe, will persevere naturally if they're seeing sustained progress and results. Like if you put up your seventh video and maybe for the first five you kind of did horribly, but the seventh one got 10 million views and made you $10,000, you're going to keep going. You're going to keep persisting because you're seeing that progress and the results and the money flowing. The real issue is how do you do it when your back's against the wall and you're not seeing those results or life is just handing you lemons. I mean, there's a lot worse situations where you need persistence or perseverance other than just no views on a YouTube channel. One would be the Holocaust. How do you keep going when everyone around you is dying and you're you're Jewish and you're seeing Germans cart off your friends and family and starving them and pulling out their gold teeth and throwing them into gas chambers and all sorts of horrible stuff like that. And so that gets us to my first tip for you, which is study the lives of people who are very persistent because uh, these people you, you really start to understand like how they keep going uh, and that leads me to my first book recommendation which is man's search for meaning uh, there are other books like this there's actually quite a few books from Holocaust survivors I've read a couple of them and they are quite stunning and shocking many with different stories some of them wasn't really a matter of persistence it was more a matter of luck uh, but others they were very persistent and this this author clearly was this man uh, he really survived because of his decision to make it through for because of his his idea and his decision to derive meaning out of his life when there was everything was stripped away from his life where food wasn't even an option where it was just about torture and pain and suffering how do you der derive meaning out of that when uh, many other like holocaust survivors have recounted they, they've literally renounced their faith and declared themselves anti-religious after surviving the Holocaust because it was so brutal and painful that they'd lost their faith in a you know higher being. Uh, I highly recommend reading the book, but um, what I took out of um, this man's journey is that you really can derive meaning and, and a sense of purpose from almost nothing if you choose to do so. Your purpose is defined by whatever you choose to give it. Uh, and, and that's the beauty of the human mind. Uh, it's not necessarily something that something else places on you, though it can be. And then the other thing related to persistence and perseverance is that, uh, you know, envisioning that end goal, no matter how simple or small, even if it's just eating another meal and escaping torture, that can be something that pushes you through. It does not have to be something grandiose or incredible. It just has to be something that you strive for. And, and his story, or any Holocaust survivor story, just really illustrates that uh, you just can't take for granted the simple things in life. The simple small things like a loaf of bread. 
is just incredible, like uh, ridiculous. Uh, I was reading this. I I remember reading this one Holocaust book in uh, English class many years ago, and it was ridiculous. It was shocking and stunning and horrific. They literally had all these Jewish uh, people, all men and boys, trapped in this cage. And the Germans above them would, uh, would throw one loaf of bread in and they would watch everyone fight for that loaf of bread to the point where they would choke and hurt other people. And there's this one scene where uh, the main character who's recounting this story, he decided to not like partake in this freight because there's dozens and dozens of men and just one loaf of bread. And he saw, he saw a grown man choke out his own father for a piece of bread and his father literally begging his, his son to to let go of him but the way that his father was saying it it was almost as if like you know that his father would have done the same thing to his child as soon as he escaped the grasp so it was very shocking and horrific to see these men sacrifice all their values and even you know hurt their own children for a loaf of bread because they were starving and, and their primitive drives kicked in uh, it really gets you thinking about philo- philosophy and values and so forth. Um, what I kind of concluded from that was that, yeah, there are horrible people and there are bad people out there. Uh, but uh, just because someone is willing to do this doesn't mean that everyone's like this. Um, and just because, you know, you you are willing to do this doesn't mean you're a bad person in that sense. Because... Uh, in 99% of other situations, you wouldn't do something, but because you're pushed to such a state where you can't think properly and your primitive drives and reptilian brain kicks in, uh, that's why you're doing it. So uh, I would say what, what I concluded at least was that like, this is a tangent of course, but it, it's just a cool thought. I, I would say like, we are blessed to be in a society where we we can elect to not put ourselves in a situation where we're starving to death and we we would get to such a state. And therefore, if we know that such a state would hurt us in such a way, and if we take precautions like having food in the fridge to prevent that, then we can at the very least put ourselves in situations where our values are not compromised. So what I'm saying here is that, you know, that micro situation is not a accurate and thorough judge of that person's character. Um, it was a very tragic situation, but to, to blatantly just say that this is a horrible guy because he's, you know, he choked out his father or that the father would do the same, it's not an accurate representation. They were forced into non human conditions. Anyhow, back on point, read these stories of persistent people and you'll see that they usually had a vision of something grand or just something simple something that they wanted to get to that was so compelling that they had to keep going and persisting uh you know there's movies like the pursuit of happiness where this man just wanted to get off the streets he didn't want to live homeless anymore and he did everything he could to 
get there. And they were moving away from extreme pain. Other times, it was simply because of a dream that they had. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he wanted to become a champion so bad at uh, weightlifting. He wanted to be Mr. Olympia so bad that he did everything he could. Every single rep of at the gym was one step closer to it. Then there's people like uh, the actor Sylvester Stallone. He was homeless as well. And he just wanted that better life. And he saw that dream and he wanted it so bad. And then you have people where, you know, they're, they're moving away from bad pain. So you, when you see that vision, it can really compel you. Now, does this mean that you have to put yourself in severe situations where you're moving away from severe pain or that you have to be born in a situation where you're homeless to persevere that much? Not necessarily. So let's move on to some other tips and I'll share with you some other ways that you can do so. Uh, here's number two, and this is the key tip that I've used to really persevere and progress. And I think I'm definitely towards the top of my demographic in terms of persistence and uh, uh, perseverance. And uh, it's not always necessarily because I have some severe pain that I'm running away from. Uh, for me, one of the big reasons is because I am motivated because other people are not motivated. Seems a bit counterintuitive, but hear me out. Let me explain. So what I mean by this is that I am motivated because I see so many people not motivated and I see the opportunity there. So here's a great example. When I go to the gym and I see these people, these people who have gone so far as to pay money to go to this gym, oftentimes a lot of money, and not show up, and only show up once a month or once a week, I get excited because I know that most people are unwilling to make the commitment. And if I just show up an extra day, and then that becomes a two days a week, and then three days a week, if I just make that commitment and show up, I'm so far ahead of the crowd. And by doing that, I get more jacked. I get more muscular. I get more fit. I am motivated because I see the disproportionate amount of results I can get by just adding a little bit of extra effort. And uh, this is arguably tip or you know advice three, but it's kind of last on the two. One way of thoroughly understanding this opportunity and value is to thoroughly understand the Savannah Principle, the fact that we are short-lived and short-sighted, and to physically see all the manifestations of where and when these opportunities arise. Now, to put it simply, because I just threw a lot of fancy terms at you, um, to put it simply, just look at how many lazy people are out there and get excited because of it. From a scientific perspective, to put it simply, the Savannah Principle is simply the fact that humans, because of how long we live, evolve super slow. And we still act and behave like we did thousands of years ago, even though societies and technology and agriculture has advanced exponentially at a fast rate. Because of that, we have what's called the Savannah Principle, where there is an inconsistency between what is 
actually put out in society and how we behave because of that. A great example, salt, sugar, and fat. So many Americans are overweight and obese and unattractive because their genetics are telling them, oh, whenever you see salt, sugar, or fat, consume as much of it as you can because it is a rare resource. However, it's not a rare resource anymore thanks to very recent developments due to agriculture and technology. Sugar, fat, it's all in abundance. You see it in convenience stores, candy bars, fast food chains, McDonald's, Burger King, Chipotle, Five Guys. I love Five Guys. I love Chick-fil-A. I can't resist those waffle fries. Having said that though, our genetics have yet to catch up and they will not catch up for thousands of years. We're just evolving at such a rapid rate. So you have to see the opportunity there. You have to see, oh, these people are screwing up and then I'm going to get ahead. Another great example of this, and here are the more less obvious and higher opportunity examples. Another great example of this is personal finance. A lot of people are very short-sighted in the stock market, in their lives. Why? Because we lived to only our 20s or 30s for most of society. Then in the early 1900s, which wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of the thousands of years that humans have lived, antibiotics came along and that single-handedly doubled our lifespans. However, we genetically still think and act like we're going to die at 20 or 30 and we don't save and invest in ourselves and in our nest egg and our budget and finances as if we are going to live until a hundred years of age and that's a huge huge mistake that a lot of people in personal finance are understanding and leveraging tony robbins has written a lot of books on this dave ramsey jack bogle a lot of people and people are too lazy to read these books and understand them but i'm not ramit sethi and a lot of other people aren't and but we're clearly clearly in a minority i have met hundreds if not thousands of people my age maybe one or two of them but the vast majority of them 99.999% of them and this irritates me a bit but I, I still see all these millennials my age and younger and it frustrates me just how they spend their money how they just you know blow it all for me no I save it I invest it I'm not the best at it you know I'm not like uh, some of these extremist personal finance people who will like, they'll make 30000 a year and then cut it to the bone, save 25000 a year, and then just invest it and use the power of compound interest to just grow that and grow it into millions every year by keeping it in low-cost index funds. Uh, for me, it's just kind of like more, it's abnormal in the sense that most people my age don't do this, but I invest a substantial amount not that much really, but more than the average person into uh, low-cost index funds. And I will hold that for 40, 50 years. And I've done the math. I've read hundreds of books on this. I know what I'm doing. And it's exciting to see the opportunity because I, I will be rich if I live long enough. And people don't realize this. Uh, check it out. Uh, it may be more complicated. Uh then I have time to explain in this. It's really not that complicated. It's simply the law of compound interest that's made Warren Buffett rich and everyone else. Uh, 
if you just read a few books on this, you'll start to understand it. Even a few personal finance blog articles out there. I've even written a few. I've written one for uh, Founder Magazine at uh, foundermag.com. You can search it up. Uh, but uh, the point is, th- that's another huge opportunity to be long-sighted when others are short-sighted. And I'm probably, I try and be a, the longest-term thinker I can, but also account for the short-term and mid-term as well. Because, heck, sometimes you never know. Maybe I'd, I'll die tomorrow. Maybe I'll die 10 years from now. And nothing's guaranteed. So I kind of do a mixture of all of these. And that's why I actually flew to California for the first time because I always wanted to go. And I... I uh, wanted to attend a networking conference, Vid Summit, and progress my YouTube uh, growth skills. The issue was that it was not a good mathematical decision for my personal finance and saving investing, but it was something that I didn't want to regret when I was older. So it's, it's kind of a mixture of everything, and it's kind of my own kind of style or flavor of living life uh, to the uh, optimal potential it's you know it's it's not always all long-term thinking like some of these personal finance people but i'm getting on off uh, on a tangent again reeling it back into persistence and never giving up uh, how this relates is again you don't want to just try and be persistent if you understand the mathematics the data behind persistence and the huge opportunity and payoff, you become a lot more incentivized to be persistent. It's just like, wow, I get to make that much money just by being a little less dumb than these people and putting in a lot more work. That's huge. And I think uh, Gary Vaynerchuk does a great job of explaining this in detail. Like half of his videos are on persistence these days. and half of his videos on YouTube are addressing all these young millennials and 20-year-olds who are so impatient because they're 22 years old or 25 and they're mad because they're not famous yet. They don't have a million followers yet. They're not making millions of dollars yet. And I've addressed this myself in many podcasts already on how and why social media has kind of helped a lot of people get rich quickly and young, but also allow these people to show it off and make more money, but also uh, make people like me angry, envious, and compare ourselves to them, which is short-sighted and it's not accurate. It's not how most people will continue to succeed in life. If you study the lives of most of the most successful people in life, It took them 10, 20, 30 years. It was not an overnight success situation. And I don't believe this will change. It will change slightly because technology has helped people scale and make a lot more money quicker. Having said that, a lot of these people, they make a lot of money, but they don't develop these fundamental traits uh, of being humble, of saving and investing that money and not spending it all, of connecting with the right people, of being ethical. All these fundamental traits that I've studied by studying the lives of every billionaire out there and all these books by billionaires and all these different things I've studied, those fundamentals that these these people lack, it really comes back to bite them and then they lose their money and then they can't get it back because they don't have marketable skills and they didn't 
address these fundamentals. So when you look at the real successful people, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's one of them. Like he put in 15 plus years of nose to the grind, 15 to 18 hour days at his wine business without anyone ever noticing or recognizing him. And for him to make only $30,000, $40,000 a year doing that to eventually build up an incredibly large business and then start leveraging that to build other things. He spent a long time building that up. And this is something he keeps repeating and repeating in his YouTube videos about how it's, it's, uh, he calls it macro patience, micro hustle, which basically means you work hard every single day, but in the long run, you have to be patient 10, 20, 30 years down the line. And he keeps repeating it because one, a lot of new people are finding him and his message isn't reaching everyone. And then two, a lot of people just don't you know realize this and they're just really impatient by their genetic nature and spurred on by what they're seeing on the internet and social media. So when you understand this and you study the lives of successful people, you will really change the tune of everything. I did a blog post and and I also did a counterpart podcast uh, that really addresses this thoroughly. I highly suggest you check out the blog post if you uh, want a thorough picture of what I'm saying. Uh, the blog post is titled, um, Is It Still Possible for Me to Be Successful After Insert Age Here? Uh, that's the literal, the literal words of the blog post are insert age here. Uh, in fact, let me uh, look up the actual URL of the blog post so that you don't have to search it up. Okay, so it is willyoulaugh.com slash is-it-to-late-to-be-successful-after-insert-age-here. I should have chosen a shorter URL, but um, it, you, you'll find it on, on my blog. It's essentially willyoulaugh.com slash is it too late to be successful after insert age here. And it's a very, very thorough, thorough blog post that covers tons of successful people and how long it took them to be successful and how you should really emphasize the long-term game. Warren Buffett made 99% of his wealth after the age of 50. Here's another one. Uh, Stephen King was working as a janitor at 24. Oprah was fired from her first job at 23. J.K. Rowling was a suicidal single parent at 28. Harrison Ford was still a carpenter at 30. Uh, Julia Child released her first cookbook at 39. Stan Lee released his first comic book at 40. Stan Lee is the creator of Marvel Comics and everything you hear and see on the films of related to Marvel nowadays. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson got his first major movie role at the age of 46. Morgan Freeman, his was at 52. Uh, there's so many other examples. Sylvester Stallone, uh, he started at 24. Alan Rickman had no film roles until 28. He's He was the guy who played Snape in Harry Potter. Uh, then there's uh, Reed Hoffman. Uh, he was relatively unknown until 30. Vincent Van Gogh did not paint until 27. He only drew. 
uh, Fajr Singh, marathon runner, uh, until 89 years of age, he was only uh, 20, he only did 26 kilometers. Then there's uh, more famous examples, Ray Kroc, he was still like a milk uh, milkshake mixer and he sold paper cups and all sorts of random things as a salesperson until 52 when he stumbled across the McDonald's brothers and their restaurant and the rest is history. Uh, McDonald's was founded. It was actually a rocky journey. I read his book, Grinding It Out. Highly recommend it. Uh, it's shocking and stunning to see the uh, progression of McDonald's from its early ages as a startup. Uh, incredible story. Uh, I even did a whole YouTube video on it on my YouTube channel. Uh, and there's a film coming out on it. And then there's uh, all sorts of other people. Another one is probably uh, Sam Walton. He's a huge example. Sam Walton of Walmart. This guy, uh, really, he didn't really get going until his 40s or 50s. But he had been running businesses like since he was like in his 20s. Uh, Colonel Sanders was like he had a number of odd jobs from fireman the steamboat operator and then at the age of 65 he started kfc and he ran it until 90 years of age now kfc is obviously a multi-billion dollar company uh and there's countless other examples david ogilvy widely regarded as the best advertising and marketing agency founder of all time he was a unemployed college dropout who worked as a cook salesman and farmer all the way up until the age of 38 so these examples when you study them they really give you inspiration and a reality check for me i just get so inspired because i realize you know i i get frustrated at times i i wonder at times why no one bothers to rate and review my podcast why it only gets so few downloads and why there's only so few people who hit my youtube channel and so few people who get on my email newsletter even though i released my most valuable value bombs on there for free and give you all this data after all these thousands of hours of studying billionaires and successful people and i get discouraged at times but when i read these things i get a gut check i realize hey you know what these people hustled so much longer than i have and i could be working harder and hustling harder and more so than that these people only hit it big or even got started so late in life like alan rickman for him to only start his career at 38 or for ogilvy to only start at 38 uh it really gets me inspired because i i start to realize hey as long as i'm trying things and, and persisting and i focus on eating healthy and staying healthy and living the longest life i can who knows maybe i'll be like that guy maybe at 40 I'll try something new or stumble across this new skill and then I'll get good at it and I'll be super rich and I'll never have to worry about money again because these people, that's what happened to them. I didn't even get started until 40 or 30 or late 30s and I have so all this time and I think there's so many people, there's so many more. When I compare them not to where they are now but where they are when they were my age, things get put into a different perspective and that's huge that's the one big thing i recommend anyone who is young to really consider stop comparing yourself at 20 to someone else at the age of 70 or 80 they have like 50 years on you or someone who's 50 or 60 here's another example there's a silicon valley uh 
angel investor who's made millions of dollars from his books and investments. His name's Tucker Max. He also runs uh, uh, some pretty cool and exciting projects. But long story short, this guy, he's like in his 40s now. And he seems pretty successful, right? When he was uh, 25, 26, he was completely screwed up. He had been fired from his father's business and kicked out. He was fired from his law firm. He was essentially just freelancing and trying to you know, get by on a day-to-day basis. Uh, he was completely financially uh, lost and he could only get dates with highly overweight, unattractive people. Well, not highly overweight, but uh, moderately unattractive people. And he had to date these people to have food to put on his table in a sense where, you know, he wasn't starving to death, but when there were weeks where a paycheck wouldn't come through, he would have to resort to this to have food on the table because these people would provide food and he would date these people because, you know, they were willing to date anyone and they weren't that high value themselves. So the point is, when you compare their selves to yourself and you put the age range in perspective with truly successful people, I'm not talking these ridiculous Instagram social media influencers who may have gotten lucky or successful off a fluke video one-shot wonder theme that may die as a trend in a couple years. We're talking real legitimate people who have real legitimate timeless skills, whether it's in business, marketing, or sales, or product creation, or programming. Legitimate people like Bill Gates, who literally spent like 20 years of his life head down. No one knew who the heck he was programming, didn't have any vacations or holidays or weekends off. You start to see that even for these people, they were still just kind of progressing and enjoying the journey. So if you can kind of enjoy the journey, that's my next tip. If you can enjoy the journey, find something you love so it's not a chore anymore. And it doesn't have to be a 100% enjoyment because I think that's a fallacy in and of itself. When I study even these successful people, there's still something that they don't like about their job. Bill Gates, he doesn't like firing people. Uh, there's, It's never going to be completely 100% Peaches and cream. There will be things about your job. Man, I haven't eaten peaches and creams for a long time. I really want to try that out. In fact, I've never had that combo. I've had them separately, but never together. Uh, back on track. Um, if you've never tried those things, by the way, these uh, tangents are actually, in t- uh, they are what I like to call intentional. Uh, I do tend to kind of like ramble and get off track, but the ones that you're hearing in this podcast are very intentional because I kind of want to add my own um, personal vibe to the flavor of this podcast. Uh, When I get off track, I usually know that I'm getting off track. Um, I I guess one advantage I have is that I'm not as ADHD unintentional or unconscious with it. I'm very cognizant when people get off track in meetings or start rambling about nonsense. Usually, uh, usually, and not always. Back on track though, 
If you can find something that you're passionate about and it's 95% or 90% and there's 10% or 20% that you don't like doing, you're, you're on the right track for sure. Don't fall into this belief that you have to cast aside your passion or the skill set because there's part of it that you don't like. Even these successful people have parts that they don't like. So if you can do that, it becomes less of a chore and you can fail. You won't consider procrastinating or giving up on it. I know it's cliche. I've, you've probably heard it a thousand times before, but it's so true. And people fail to focus on this. They think there's some trick or other thing that you can do and try and force something that you completely hate into something that you never give up on or persist on indefinitely. And that doesn't happen. You will burn out. So this podcast is getting pretty long. So I would just kind of wrap it up here. And my main point for you, my main takeaway, if you get nothing else out of this, is to remember, remember the long game. Study these successful people and realize how slow it took them to really get going and seize traction and then realize how long we live how long we have to really live our lives and try new things and persist and get going and uh, trust me a lot of people have this problem i've even talked to med school students who have similar issues i mean we're all young we're all naive we're all trying to get ahead we all have our the same insecurities and concerns in a way. So so don't don't count yourself out. Don't think that you are, you know, the only one suffering from this problem. When you want to never give up, when you want to succeed, if you get nothing else out of this video, channel this one thing. And this is the probably the one golden trick or tactic, if you must have a tactic, is to do what I do, which is get excited when and, and Pay attention, pay extra attention. Look for those opportunities when you step into a class or a room or a gym and you see all those other people give up. I do this all the time on YouTube. I'll look at people that are around my size or a little bit bigger than me or a lot bigger than me or even smaller than me and I will look at their YouTube channel and just keep checking up on them. And then when they forget to post, or all of a sudden, you know, they've been posting consistently week after week, and then all of a sudden, they drop the ball and they don't post for six months. I get so excited, and I see this all the time, all the time on YouTube. I get so excited because I think, you know what? I may not have the production value you do. I may not have the, the creativity you do, or the skills, or this or that, but you know what? So many people on YouTube, on any social media platform, have stressed the importance of consistency. You watch any YouTube advice or Instagram growth video out there and they will mention consistency. So I understand the data behind it. That's important. You understand the data and importance about perseverance and never giving up. And then you combine that with paying attention and seeing your quote-unquote competitors. I don't really view them as competitors. I think in a sense we're all in this together. But Arguably, they are a bit competitor-ish. And you pay attention to the fact that they have given up. Or maybe they haven't given up. They've dropped the ball for whatever reason. They went on vacation. They got lazy. You get so excited because now you have an opportunity to get ahead. And it's not so hard to just release another video. Come into the gym for another 20 minutes. And, and I get excited 
I really do. When I step into a fitness class, and this happened last week actually, I kind of hid my excitement because I didn't want to get too excited at the place. But I got excited when I stepped into the gym, and I was the only one that showed up for the class because it was a holiday. It was you know one of those times when no one wanted to work out, and even those people who were fairly consistent didn't show up, and I showed up, and I was so excited. I celebrated in my mind because. I knew that, you know, maybe I would, there's so many other factors that maybe I wasn't going to beat them at, but in this moment, I was in the upper echelons of one factor, probably one of the most important factors, consistency. And that is what motivates me to keep going and keep showing up more so and more so than the other people is when I realize, you know what? No one else showed up today. And even those dedicated people didn't show up today. And that puts me in the top 1% just by showing up, by doing nothing else, by taking like 10 seconds and just showing up to this class. It's not that hard. Get, get motivated by the lack of motivation in others. Counterintuitive, maybe new to some of you, but try it out. And you can try it out in so many different spheres and areas of life. And it works wonders on YouTube and others if you're trying to grow a social media following because... Uh, so many people drop the ball. Life gets in the way. And I just check up on these people. And I see that they're not posting. And I get excited. And I post. So check it out. Check out my YouTube channel. And you'll see me on there posting consistently. That's all I got to say. Uh, if you do, if, if you will do me a quick favor. Um, and, and, and do you think you like this podcast? Do you think you got some value out of this? If, if you did... Uh, I would ask you to just leave a rating or review at willyoulaugh.com slash podcast. I will redirect you to my iTunes page and you can leave a rating review very quickly on there. And those ratings and reviews uh, will help this podcast get noticed on iTunes, which is really important for the exposure. It's very simple. You can do it very quickly and uh, you can leave whatever rating you want one or five star or three star, whatever. So keep that in mind. I will read those uh, reviews on there. I appreciate them. And also, uh, as mentioned, um, the best stuff comes from my email newsletter. Uh, you can join it by heading over to my blog, willyoulaugh.com. And there will be a lot of different opportunities on there uh, that you know, ask for your email address. Uh, there will be, and usually I try and offer you something in exchange for your email on my site. So maybe it's on the sidebar, maybe it's at the bottom of a post, uh, but you will see opportunities to enter your email address and I'll give you like a free training or a free video and, and just enter your email, you'll be on my newsletter. And when you're on my newsletter, you get a lot of uh, behind the scenes or my top content. And on top of that, it's where I'm the most responsive, where I give the most value, I spend the most time to, you know, help people one-to-one, person-to-person. And if you respond to those emails, uh, I highly encourage you to leave a thorough, detailed uh, email to me and through a response to any of my emails I send out. And I will respond and get back to you and try and help you and answer your questions and concerns and you will have the highest chance of getting a response from me, a detailed response. And on top of that, uh, you will be able to uh, maybe 
get a chance to kind of guide the next topic I create a podcast on or write a blog post about or do a YouTube video on. So if you're interested in that, join my email newsletter and you know reply to any of my emails with whatever you're struggling with. So that's it. Check it out at willyoulaugh.com and I will see you in the next podcast. Thanks so much for listening and I hope if you're doing this at the gym or you're doing something that you're hustling and working hard while doing this, do an extra rep. Do it for me. Do it for yourself. See you later. Thank you for listening to Will's Personal Development Podcast. You can find more at willyoulaugh.com.